Go with me to Hebrews, please, this morning. I had to, my direction changed majorly <laughs> this morning about 3 o'clock. Did not intend to go this way at all. But I believe it's the Lord's direction. And uh, like always, I would ask you to believe with me. I don't remember ever teaching on this just like this. So this, you know, be the first time for me to teach it just this way. And, and when you're doing that, you know, you're, of course, you're believing God for the next phrase and the, ne- and the next part. And uh, so uh, please don't snooze. <laughs> stay focused, stay hooked. You'll make it a lot easier on me. And of course, you'll be sowing good seed for yourself. Uh, we got number of preachers in here, you want to sow good seed for next time you're up doing this, right? Uh, Hebrews 3, did you find it? Hebrews 3 and verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear His voice, And this is a quote from the 95th Psalm, I believe it is. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me or tested me, and my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed brethren. Lest there be in any of you. An evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today. If you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. Now that's about the fourth time he said that in the last few verses. Right? Must be important, mustn't it? Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved? Forty years. That's the second time it said about him being grieved. Grieved, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in Because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left us. Of entering into his rest. Any of you. Should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto them. But the word preached. Did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith. In them that heard it. For we which have believed. Do enter into rest. As he said. As I have sworn in my wrath. If they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished. From the foundation of the world. 
For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. That's the title of the message this morning. Harden not your heart. Everybody say that out loud. Harden not your heart. Is this applicable to us? I mean, repeatedly, he talked about less any of you or any of your brethren. He's taking these truths that we learn from the first generation that he brought out of Egyptian bondage and that went through the wilderness and actually was out there for 40 years and perished. He's drawing upon this example and warning them that he was writing to and warning us, isn't he? That the same thing not happened to us. He said it repeatedly. Let's look at it again. Make sure we, we're clear about this. Back up to the uh, seventh verse again in the third chapter. He said, verse eight, harden not your heart. And then in verse 13, he said, exhort one another daily. That's talking about you and me. We need to be encouraged and exhorted and cautioned daily. Am I reading the Bible? Daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be what? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. And verse 15, he said, while it said today, if you will hear his voice, what? Harden not your hearts. And then again there in chapter 4 and uh, verse 7. He said, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, what? Harden not your heart. Is this important? I mean, if it's one time in the scripture, it's important. If it's four times in the same page, we should be going, boy, we got to pay attention to this. We got to, and when he says, you need to be encouraging and exhorting each other about this daily. I don't think we've put enough emphasis on this. I know uh, in our soon be 30 years of ministry, looking back over it, I'm beginning to see this as absolutely one of the biggest problems that exists among Christians. Anything practically that you want to talk about can be overcome. There is an answer for. But you can get in a situation with this where there is no remedy. There is no cure. There is no fix. Now I'm going to need you to believe with me this morning and these sessions. We're going to need to get into some things that... uh, are sobering, but I'm not just talking to people that got saved yesterday, am I? <laughs> I don't know what to do with this already. A <laughs> uh, lot of folks in here have been saved for a while and have heard a lot. And 
This is all the more situation to be cautious because when you've heard a lot and for a long time, you can get hardened to it. And it's a very serious situation. The word harden, if you look it up, it means to endurate, which means to make callous, to make stubborn, to become unfeeling. When he said harden not your heart, what exactly is he saying? He's saying don't let your heart become hard, just like it says. Don't let your heart become calloused. Don't let your heart become stubborn and unfeeling. You know, there are a whole lot of folks that actually take pride in their own stubbornness, (laughs) including Christians. (laughs) And one of the big parts of the nature of the devil is This stubbornness, this rebellion, it's a big part of what makes him what he is. And the reason it's so prevalent in the earth is because he's the God of this world. And from the very beginning, what he was doing when he was out there lying to Eve and and tempting her and tempting Adam about that fruit, he wasn't just trying to trick them. Eve was deceived. But the way she got there was by letting this in. She knew it was wrong. Adam wasn't even deceived. So he knew it was wrong. So if they know it's wrong, why are they still out there? He was able to breathe, talking about the devil, and to inject into them his nature of rebellion. And they defied God. And they hardened themselves against, how many understand, there's no way that the inside of them and their spirit wasn't screaming, get away from the tree, get away from here, believe what God said, don't listen to him. And they had to harden themselves to that. We just got through reading in this chapter, hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Did you see that? Deception and hardness Go hand in hand. And so. From them. Having fallen. All the way down through humanity. There is this rebellion. In flesh. You can see it. With a little one. Hadn't been in the world. A few months. Can't even talk. And they go. Ugh. You don't even need an interpretation. (laughs) What are they saying? No. 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 There's something that rises up in the flesh. And even though you know what's right in your heart, you've got this to contend with. Don't you? You do? I do. Even though you're born again, it wasn't your flesh that got born again. Now was it? Mm -mm. It was your spirit. It was the inner man. 
And the thing is, and this is where the trouble comes in, your flesh is just like Joe Sinner's down the street's flesh that hadn't got saved yet. Your flesh is just like his. And that's why Galatians talks about this. Other passages talk about it, that the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And every day you got to decide which one you're going to yield to. And you can do wonderful for six months and be full of faith and full of power and just be walking in the glory and get up the next day and just yield to the flesh and act like a heathen if you want to. Did you know it's true? Oh, I know you know it's true. (laughs) And if we got any question about it, we can ask the people that live with you and around you. (laughs) We all have flesh. And if you yield to the flesh, you will be yielding to this defiance, this rebellion, fear and unbelief. And what will happen is... It will harden your spirit, your heart. It'll harden you. And that, my friends, is a dangerous situation. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, or a lot, I suppose. But we'll touch on this, and then, so you'll be believing God with me. There are situations in which people are going to miss out if they don't make some changes. Because they have just been hard-headed and stubborn. They're good people in so many ways. But when it comes to certain things and certain situations, they are as hard as a brick wall. And they've got their reasons and they've got their excuses for why they're that way. And they've justified themselves. But friend, it is a dangerous thing. It can get you into a situation Where there is no recovery. I'm not just saying that. I'm quoting a scripture. And we're going to get to them. Before we get through. But go with me to Genesis. I say that just so you'll you'll be believing with me. Because I you know. Why would the Lord have us be on this. I'm believing. There are going to be mighty changes. (laughs) Huh. And hindrances are going to be removed. And things that have been held back will come in. Oh, come on, come on. Torments and things that have held people out. How many believe the anointing can destroy yokes? Huh? And remove burdens and and break bondages. And grace can come in. And hearts can be softened. Hearts can be changed. And so then lives will be different. And what the enemy meant for destruction will not affect, will not prosper. His devices will not be successful. And the will of God will be fully done. People of God not be robbed. In Genesis, well, excuse me, Exodus, I told you wrong. Exodus 8. One of the, uh, well, I can say it like this. The poster child for hardness of heart is Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I'm glad you laughed right then. You needed to. How many know that's true, though? I mean, he's 
<laughs> What's he known for? He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. Again and again. But I want you to notice that it wasn't just him hardening his heart, but a sequence. In Exodus, the eighth chapter, Exodus chapter eight, you know the uh, judgments happened, the miracles happened. The Lord said through Moses, let my people go. At first off, he said, who is Jehovah? I don't know who Jehovah is. And I'm not going to let you go. Well, miracles begin to happen. Signs and wonders and judgments on them. And he still, I mean, they're being destroyed. And he wouldn't do it. Now, I want you to, you've heard this, you know about this, but I want you to put yourself uh, in, in that place with that situation. What's going on with him? He's the Pharaoh. He's not used to anybody telling him what to do. Right? And so even though it got to the place where he saw, I mean, the nation's being destroyed. His pride. Can you see this? He's hardened himself in pride. And pride has that effect on people. A hardening. Whereas, how do you soften yourself? You humble yourself. Humbling yourself is an exercise of softening your heart. In the 8th chapter and the 15th verse, one of these plagues had just come again. They, uh, the frogs, you know, verse 13, the frogs died. And verse 14, this is... Exodus 8, they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. And when Pharaoh saw there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now, back in verse 8, when he's got frogs hopping out of his coffee cup and in his oven and in his bed, in his shoes... He asked them, entreat the Lord that he take away these frogs and I will let the people go. That's verse 8. But as soon, verse 15, when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, or one translation says relief, what did he do? He immediately hardened his heart again, didn't he? So he's a liar, isn't he? Because he just got through saying, ask the Lord to get these frogs out of here and I'll let you go. But as soon as the frogs were cleared out, he said, no, uh -uh. I'm not letting you go. Can you hear in that and can you see in that a hardening? He's saying, no, I'm not going to let you go. This didn't just happen one time. It happened again. And again, and again, and again. Look on over to the uh, the 19th verse. There came, you know, lice after this. And lice was everywhere. Men, beasts, 
Verse 19, and the magicians came to Pharaoh. And they now they're testifying. They said, this is the finger of God. <laughs> they said, this, you understand, a few verses ago, nobody around there believed in God. It's the truth. Pharaoh was saying, who is God? I don't acknowledge any God. I mean, they preached that he was God, a living God. So he's not going to acknowledge another God. But his own magicians, they come in and tell him, hey, this is God. (laughs) Why are they telling him this? They want him to back off so they're not all destroyed. But what did he do? But his heart was hardened. And he hearkened not to them, as the Lord said. Skip on down to the 32nd verse. Same thing happened here. When uh, the swarms had come, and uh, Pharaoh's trying to make a deal. Yeah, get us relief again, and I'll let you go. Verse 28, he said, I will let you go. And verse 29... He did it, but he told Pharaoh before he left, he said, let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. You remember the phrase in Hebrews, hardened through the deceitfulness of sin? Because he's already done this before. He'd say, yeah, yeah, get us delivered and I'll let you go. And as soon as they're delivered, he said, no, uh uh-uh, I'm not going to let you go. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. There remained not one. I'm going to take supernatural power to get every fly out. (laughs) God can do it. But he said there didn't remain a one. Not one. And so what did Pharaoh do? Thanked and praised God. For his mercy. What did he do? He hardened his heart. At this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Now we could take time and keep reading into the next chapter. And you see the same thing. Have you read the story before? You know how this goes, right? But I want you to notice. When the pressure is on. He doesn't think he's going to make it. He starts repenting, doesn't he? And he says, yeah, oh, get this off of me, and I'll do what God said. But as soon as he got free, as soon as it was gone, what did he do? That, that pride is right back up. That hardness is right No, no, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. Now I want you to remember what happened to them. It got worse and worse and worse. And finally, everybody's firstborn died in one night, including his. Right? And at that point, everybody's scared. I mean, his own staff, his own people are are yelling at him. Let them go. Let them go for every one of us is dead. And finally, he let them go. Just probably out of terror and fear that they wouldn't live out the night. But how many know they hadn't been gone any length of time? Till what does he do? 
He, he calls his generals. He hardens his heart. They chase after him. And it didn't end until he was dead on the bottom of the sea. There was no curing what he had. Can you see this? There was, how many understand, he could have repented any place. But it went worse and worse and worse until he, he and his people, his whole army, all the firstborn, totally destroyed. Look in Proverbs 29, please. This verse sums this up and is a big part of what I believe the Lord's leading us in. Proverbs, actually, chapter 28, there's something that leads up to this. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. You know, in Job it's written, Who has ever hardened himself against God and prospered? Well, how many understand that has never worked? Getting hard with God? Are there people on the planet that have gotten hard with God? Oh, it's so sad. There are many, many, many. That something didn't go the way they wanted it to or the way they were praying that it would. And they feel like God let them down. And there are, who knows, many, many hearts hardened against him. They've quit going to church. Among so-called word and faith people. Many, many. They, you know, they made a confession and it didn't happen. They prayed a prayer and it didn't happen. Uh, somebody died, somebody didn't make it through this, and something didn't happen in this area, and they get hard at God. The psalmist said concerning the Lord, with the pure, he shows himself pure. With the froward, he shows himself froward. If you will humble yourself and be tenderhearted before God, he, even though he is so awesome and mighty, he could scare you absolutely to death out of your breath with hardly lifting up his hand yet if you'll be tender hearted he'll be tender with you but if you get hard with him you're going to come up against a wall how many of the psalmist said with the froward thou will show thyself froward contrary and if you do that, how many know there is no help anywhere else? <laughs> and you're being a complete fool. You are hardening yourself against your only help. Your only hope. How many know if Pharaoh had had any understanding and revelation, he would have jumped off that throne? He'd have put his nose in his carpet or whatever was in front of it and asked Moses to pray for him. Wouldn't he? Even if he had never had any experience of God. How many understand? If you got any smarts. It's not going to take too long into this thing. With these kind of signs and wonders. Anybody could get a clue and go wow. This is. This is something beyond men. And anything we've ever seen or known. 
But this is given us as an example of hardness to just show the extent this goes to. You can be face to face with the glory of God and the most amazing miracles and you can still retain your pride and harden your heart and stiffen your neck. Any of us could do it at any time. We're fools if we do. Hmm? How many know the smart man, the wise man, the wise woman will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God? Huh? Will humble themselves, bow before him, have a heart that is soft. Somebody say soft, tender. Tender. I've found in my own life times that I'm the closest to God and my heart is the most right and the most consecrated and dedicated to Him. Tears come easy for me then. Quick and easy. Quick to repent. You don't wander around and debate about it half a day. Man, you see your wrong. Boom, hit the floor. Oh, God. How many of the other thing you could do is, well, I mean, other people do that. I don't know what's so wrong with that. I'll have to look at that some more. Can you hear the spirit of this? What is that? It's pride. And what else is it? It's a stiffness. It's a resistance. It's a hardness. He said, if you cover your sins, you won't prosper. You can't. Pride and rebellion is sin. What else did it say, though? What's the good news? But if you'll confess them and forsake them, what will happen? You'll get mercy. Did you know he resists the proud? But what does he do with the humble? He gives grace. How many want grace? How many want grace and mercy? Then you better not be stiff-necked. You better not be hard-headed and stubborn and hard-hearted. You better be tender-hearted, soft-hearted. He went on to say, verse 14, Happy is the man that fears and reverences all ways. How many understand if Pharaoh was blind, To who he was getting in the face of. How many of you got to be blind. To stand up in the face of the almighty and lie. And say yeah I'll do it. And say no I changed my mind. (laughs) Who is this God? I don't know no God. I'm Pharaoh. I do what I want. How many understand? You got to be a fool. You got to be a blind fool to stand before the face of the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth and talk and think like that. Nebuchadnezzar did that. He was ruler of the known world. The Bible said even the beasts of the field were given to him. And he built him a place. He could look out over the vastness of it. And he got up there and he put his hand on his porch rail. And he said, look what I have made for myself. I am the man. I am the man. I 
am. The man. <laughs> and God said, you ain't the man. <laughs> he said, let's see how you like eating grass. And he lost his mind. Just like that. He didn't know if he was a cow or a man. He didn't. They put him out in the pasture. They did. And he walked around and his fingernails grew long and his hair didn't take a bath. He thought he was a dog or a cow. I didn't know what he was. Until all these months passed and he stood up one day and he said, I ain't the man. (laughs) And he wrote letters and said, the Lord, he is God. And he puts up whoever he wants to. And he puts down whoever he wants to. And everybody, everywhere ought to worship him. (laughs) I want to know there's a lot of people on the planet need to get this revelation. Don't you? Because they really think they're something in and of themselves. And they get in God's face. And they say such things. And you've got to be a blind, blind fool. To say that before the one who gives you your next breath. And not realize how. How many understand how frail we are? I mean it hardly takes anything to kill us. Did you know that? I mean it's just the grace of God that we'll make it through the day today. Where we are, we're, we're frail. And we don't even know what is right and what is wrong and what to do and what we have no understanding, no discernment unless He gives us light. How many understand every good gift? Every perfect gift. Every bit of light and understanding and strength that we have has come from Him. And if we have any understanding, every day when our eyes open, one of the first things that hit our mind and hit our mouth is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are my life. You're in you. I live and move and have my being. Everything I have that's good is from you. And everything that turns out right and everything that I'm able to do that's good, it was you. It wasn't just me. It was the grace of God in me and on me. It was the anointing of God on me and through me. And I give you all the glory. Somebody say, I give you all the glory. Come on, lift up your hand. Say, Lord, I give you all. I give you all the glory. 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 Hallelujah. You know the scripture said I will that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. Without wrath and doubting. This paints a picture doesn't it? Far different from this. You know. uh, Preachers we get a different perspective. From the platform looking back. Than you do looking up here. And just all the time. You, you see these looks, you see these scouts. You have to not dwell on them or it'll, it'll distract you. 
And you'll see some people, oh, they love God, their hands are up. And, and you can just tell just their stance, just their body language says, I yield to you, Lord. And there's others like this. <laughs> like, you can't make me. I don't care what you say. It's in the face. It's in the eyes. They may put on a smile and go, mm, hi, hallelujah. <laughs> it's, it's an unyielding. Now, so many of them think they have a reason why. And I'm, seems like I'm just touching some things this morning and maybe we'll get to expound on them as we go through. But you're believing God with me, right? I mean, <coughs> so many feel justified in being so hardened because they say they have been hurt. They've been hurt. And so they had to harden themselves. To protect themselves. This is a lie. I said this is a lie. Maybe they have been hurt. I'm not denying that. But it is a lie. That you had to harden yourself. To protect yourself. The truth is. The more you harden yourself. The more you're going to hurt. And I believe God will bring this out and give us light on this as we go. But I'm telling you, that's the truth. That's the truth. The more you harden yourself, the lonelier you're going to be. The harder life is going to be and the more you are going to hurt. And you can blame other people if you want to, but it's you hardening yourself. Because when something's hardened, what does that mean? Things cannot penetrate. Things cannot get in. You remember the parable of the sower? The different types of ground. The first type of ground, you remember what type of ground it was? Wayside. Remember that? And do you remember what happened? The seed was sown on it, but the file of the air came and just picked it up right off the top of the ground, didn't it? Why? It never got in. And if you read Matthew's account, it said they didn't understand it. It never, they never understood or discerned or valued or received what they heard. It never got in them. It never got into their heart. It might have bounced off their ears. It might have came before their eyes. The thought might have went through their mind, but it never got in. It never penetrated them. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The Bible in Romans talks about the understanding being darkened because of not being thankful. You show me a tender hearted person. I'll show you a humble person and a thankful person. A hard hearted person is a proud person and an unthankful. They're not acknowledging and they're not thanking We've already gone over a couple of really important things. If you're serious about humbling yourself and and getting your heart more tender, 
You could begin to practice it right now today. Just acknowledging that you're totally dependent on him all the time and thanking him all the time. Right? Thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. It has a uh, breaking up action inside you. Thank you, Master. You still in Proverbs? He said, Happy is the man that fears always, that is reverential, but he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief, evil, destruction. Now look at chapter 29. This is what we've been referring to, alluding to the whole time. Verse 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, what will happen? Shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Without remedy. Somebody say without remedy. What does that mean without remedy? It's no cure. One translation says no recovery from. Let me read this to you from other translations. The NIV says a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. The New Century said whoever is stubborn after being corrected many times will suddenly be hurt beyond cure. So we, we, that's where I got that phrase, part of that phrase earlier. The more hard you are, the more you're going to hurt. See, it's a lie of the devil. Harden yourself so you don't get hurt. That's a lie. That's the very way to get hurt the most. Now that was worth you coming to church this morning. Right there. Because the world believes this and a whole bunch of the church believes that. Oh, you got to throw up your defenses. You got you to gotta protect yourself because I've been hurt bad before. And, and, I, and when it happened, I made up my mind. I'm never going to let that happen again. You don't even know what happened. You've come, you've skewed it. A lot of people don't even remember. <laughs> They've recreated stuff in their own mind from what actually happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. Are you with me now? But one thing's for sure, the Bible is true. The Bible's true. And the only future of hardening yourself, no matter what your reasons are, is destruction. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want you to be destroyed. I know this may be different than what you thought you would hear this morning. But uh, all I know to do is give what the Lord puts in my heart. I don't have anything else other than that. And uh, I don't believe this is negative. I believe it's sobering. I know it's sobering. We may get in the floor before this is over with and cry. I'm serious. We may repent. Did you hear me? And that's all right. But on the other side of this is glory. The English version says, if you get more stubborn every time you are corrected, one day you'll be crushed and never recover. Mama, the God's word translation says, suddenly you'll be broken beyond repair. The living Bible says, 
uh, suddenly you'll be broken and never have another chance. I don't know of another thing in the Bible that the Bible itself says this is incurable. I've uh, been involved in the healing ministry for years. And, and, you know, to me, the word incurable is, just don't exist. And there is no disease that can't be uh, healed. But we had a wonderful report Sunday of a lady healed of lupus. Glory to God. Doctors have given her the paperwork. Discharged her. Said, you're free. You're healed. The doctor said, you have made my day. Glory to God. There is no such thing as an incurable sickness, an incurable disease. How many know it's the truth? There is no such thing. And other conditions are fixable, curable. You can be ignorant. That is not an incurable condition. (laughs) Right? You can learn. We are all living proof. Right? (laughs) You can learn. Can't you? Even unbelief. Unbelief is not an incurable condition. I mean, we got people like Abraham and Sarah in Hebrews 11. And we got passages in the scripture that showed where they responded to God in gross unbelief. Laughed at the promise of God. Laughed like, that's funny. Talk about unbelief. But they got cured. I said they must have got cured. They got right. And instead of scoffing and mocking and laughing and making fun, they started believing God and got the miracle answer anyhow and wound up in Hebrews 11. Unbelief is not an incurable condition. Isn't that good to know? Being broke, poverty is not a, you can be the brokest person on the planet. It's not incurable. You can be the sickest man or woman. It's nothing too hard for the Lord. But did you see this? You can get yourself in a place. Not not just hardening your heart for a little bit. Through repeated. Now we, we looked at the story of Pharaoh. That was over and over again, wasn't it? Not one time, not twice, not three times. Over and over the same thing. How many know he had to know better? Time after time after time. And what does this say? He who being what? One time reproved? Twice? Three times? No. Often. Oh, this is how people get to that incurable place. You just keep stiffening your neck and hardening your heart. You can get yourself to a place where nobody can get through to you. Nobody can talk to you. Not even God himself. And when you get there, the only thing that's going to happen is soon, suddenly, destruction will be there. If we believe this, then we ought to be very serious that when something comes up, we don't play with it. We humble ourselves now, quick, because we want to keep our hearts tender and never let ourselves get like this. Tender-hearted, soft-hearted, 
pliable. The Bible said resist the devil. Resist who? The devil. And he'd flee from you. What about God? No, it said yield yourselves. Didn't it? Go over there and look at it. What was that? James 4, 6 and 7. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud. You don't want to be resisted. He's talking about God resisting you. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be against us, <laughs> who can help you out? <laughs> God resists. What does resist mean? And the Lord's helping us out already this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why would God be resisting the proud? Everything, everything in the creation of God operates off the principle of sowing and reaping. Everything. Why would God be resisting this person? Because they are resisting him. Pride is resisting. The uh, obstinacy is another word for hardness. And rebellion goes with this. And, and rebellion has to do with resistance. That's one of the definitions of the word rebellion. And pride, the very nature of pride is rebellion. It's the nature of the devil himself. Why would God be resisting this person? Because that's what they're sowing. That's what they're sowing. They're sowing resistance against him. So they're reaping it. They're getting hard with him. So he's resisting them. It's only just. But what else? What else? But he does what? He gives grace to the humble. You soften your heart before him. You humble yourself before him. It gives him a right to be kind to you. Oh, do you like this? To be kind to you. And even though you deserve a good spanking, it gives him a right to be tender with you and merciful with you. Well, if we had any smarts, we would be gracious to everybody. We would be so kind to everybody. Why? Because we know we're going to need it for the day's out. We're going to need him to be gracious with us and kind with us. There's no way we can earn and work and achieve and attain and merit the full blessings of God. We can't do it. The only way we'll enjoy it is by the grace of God. Just by him being gracious to us and merciful and sparingness and forgiveness and overlooking our ignorance. But if we sow hardness, we don't qualify to reap this. What did he say? He gives grace to the humble. You want grace? Humble yourself. Verse 7, what does it say? Submit yourselves. Who's going to make you do that? No, the understood subject is you. Nobody's going to make you. God himself's not going to make you. Nobody can make you. You must submit yourself 
therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Get the picture in here. Uh, Let me say it like this. You've got to be watchful about who you resist. Yes, resist the devil, but don't resist God. Now, most people, you say, well, you don't have to tell me that. I ain't going to resist God. And yet they're doing it all the time. Because he speaks through people. He does things through people. The devil does things through people. You know, when Jesus wheeled around and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's resisting the devil, isn't he? And yet, that's Peter standing there. That he's manifesting through. And the same thing. God manifests through people. The devil manifests through people. And God was speaking through Moses and through Aaron. And Pharaoh thought he had a problem with Moses. And he's defiant in front of Moses. And even the people of God later. They thought Moses and Aaron were their problem. Didn't they? And they spoke against them. And they railed against them. But what were they really doing when they refused to obey Moses and Aaron? They were resisting God. Can you see that? Because Moses didn't come up with this himself. He was saying what the Lord gave him. He was leading them in the way the Lord was directing them. You know, the exact same thing happened with Jesus. I mean, the rulers of the Jews, the rulers and leaders of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they saw him, they despised what he said, they hated what he did. And the Lord said, they've hated, the scriptures fulfilled, they hated me without a cause. I only said what I heard my father say. I only did what he told me to do. And so in hating me, they've hated both me and my father. They thought they just had a trouble with this carpenter. They thought they just had a problem and they're resisting this uh, itinerant preacher. They're stirring up problems, but they were resisting God, weren't they? And see, we need the discernment to know when God is talking to us and when he's speaking through us, no matter who it is or where it is. Because if we don't like it, see that, and that's the thing. You know, at preachers, you know this already. I've had, if you've gone very far in the ministry, then you've had people get mad at you. I've had people meet me out in the parking lot. And I thought for sure they were about to take a swing at me. I mean, they were so mad they couldn't talk straight. I've had people meet me out in the hall and they're shaking and they're just full of fury. Can hardly talk. So mad. And this guy at the parking lot I'm talking about is going to take a swing at me. He, you know what he was mad about? I kept saying the word rich. R-I-C-H. Rich. And I guess I said it a lot of times during that service. Rich, rich, rich. 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 And he's just blubbering and going, that ain't right. That ain't right. I said, which verse don't you like? God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And I started quoting them and just made it matter. These are verses. How many understand? He just thought he had trouble and a problem with Keith. I didn't write these verses. Right? But see, people don't want to do that. You know. If you got any sense, you don't want to jump up in God's face. 
<laughs> no, they, they like to imagine. No, me and God, we're like this. But I can't stand that preacher. Ooh. I can't stand that one. And ooh, I can't stand that one. And so they get hard, they harden themselves with these individuals and with these messages and with these ministries and with these manifestations of the Spirit and don't realize they are resisting God. And in doing that, they will get resisted. And if they do it long enough and repeatedly enough, they will bring themselves into destruction. My, my. And a number of these, it's not, I'm not saying they'll be lost, some of these folks, these people that are born again, but uh, there'll be destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. But even so, how many don't want any destruction? <laughs> it's not ours from the Lord. We're redeemed. So, who do we resist? Let me go over this real slow. <laughs> the devil and only the devil. What about God? We never resist God. <laughs> never. We always yield to God. God says something. We talk soft. We get ready to respond. Even if it's totally different than what we thought. He's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right now, sir. Hmm? Humble yourself. You think about that Syrophoenician woman. Who reached into the future. Because the Lord said, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That wasn't available yet to the Gentiles. But by faith, she reached out into the, the future and got it. Got it anyhow. Got her healed. How'd she do it? Send her away. If you'd, have, if you'd have been very proud, you couldn't have taken that. Could you? Man, you'd have stiffened yourself. And said, Send me away. And it went on and it went on. And then it's not right to take the children's bed and throw it to dogs. And, and yet, what did she do? Did she humble herself? Yes. Did she? If the Lord says, you know, you're a dog, your people are dogs, what do you say? Bow wow is right. <laughs> exactly right. Because <laughs> the truth is, they were. The Syrophoenicians lived like dogs. He wasn't trying to insult her. That's just the way it was. And yet she says, okay, right? You say we dogs? We dogs. But you know, little dogs get crumbs under the table, don't they? So I just want my crumbs. She had faith, didn't she? She said, I don't need a whole loaf. Just a crumb of this will fix what I got. Just... I believe a big smile broke across the master's face. He looked at her. He said, woman, you got some faith. Great is your faith. Be it unto you. Even if he got, she got home, her daughter was delivered and healed. Glory to God. But many, many people would never have received. Their pride could not have taken that. Their racial pride, their national pride. Their family pride. They'd have got up and said, what? We Syrophoenicians, just as good as you Jews. 
Let me tell you about some Jews I know. Dog? Dog? Who are you calling a dog, preacher? I mean, people get huffy on that. And she could have had her say, she could have told him where to get off and left without. And her daughter's life been totally destroyed. And hers too. And you'd have never known about her. She wouldn't be in the book. The humble get grace. And with enough grace, you can get through anything. With enough grace, you can receive anything. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too hard. Nothing's out of your... With enough grace, you can be anything. You can be more than you ever dreamed you could be. God can use you to accomplish more than you ever imagined. But just be sure you don't pull a Nebuchadnezzar. No matter how much God blesses you and how much he adds to you and how much he prospers you, don't grab a hold of your rail and go, I'm the man. (laughs) Unless you like grass. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Singers, players, would y'all all come up? Oh, bless the Lord. Let's practice these words. Lift up your hands. Not a stance of defiance, but lift up your hands. Act of submission. Act of humility. Begin to tell the Lord, you know. You know that you wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't be anything. You wouldn't know anything good if it wasn't for Him. And begin to repent in any area. In fact, I'll just lead everybody in a prayer. Everybody say it out loud. Father God. Father God. Any times. Any times. Any situations. Any situation, every situation. Every situation. I hardened myself. I, hardened myself. I, became, stubborn, I became stubborn. Unyielding. unyielding obstinate. obstinate. I, repent. I repent. I don't want to be like that. By your grace. I purpose purpose not to be like that. that. Open my eyes. eyes. Help me to realize realize. people you've manifested through. People you've you've spoken through. through. And I didn't like it. And I I resisted them them. and thought it was just them. them. If it was you speaking through them, And I didn't admit it. it. Have mercy on me. Help me to see it. Help me to realize it. it. I'm willing willing to be willing willing to change change. by faith. faith. I humble myself myself before you. you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tell the Lord you love Him and praise Him. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Master, for loving us. 
and helping us and giving us all we need. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.